0: Tandem Nomads episode 65 and at one point and this is critical I think for listeners is that at some point I had to say I'm not just doing this this as a creative outlet I'm not just doing it to fill my time I'm doing this as a professional and I need to be taken seriously and so I need to have pay I need to be paid for what I'm doing and as soon as I made that decision that I was going to be paid for writing I was going to be paid for speaking I was going to be paid for singing again then it completely changed the way that people viewed me, approached me, appreciated me.
1: Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show for expat partners. Every new episode is launched twice a month on Tuesdays. You will find here great inspiration and tips to build your portable career and thrive with your family in your global nomadic life. Hello Nomad Nation, this is Emel Deregui and I'm very, very excited to introduce you our guest today, Melissa Dalton-Bradford. Melissa, are you ready for the ride?
0: I am ready for the ride, I'm all strapped in.
1: Wonderful. <laughs> Melissa Dalton-Bradford was raised in Utah before becoming a true global citizen and a mother of four children. She is a writer, she holds a Bachelor in German and a Master in Literature. Melissa has taught university students writing, humanities, and language. She speaks, reads, and writes fluent German, French, Norwegian, and can also convert in Mandarin. Melissa has performed professionally as a soprano, soloist, and actress in the US, Scandinavia, Central Europe, and Southeast Asia. She and her husband have built their family in Vienna, Hong Kong, New York, Oslo, Paris, Munich, Singapore... And Geneva, speaking of a global family, (laughs) Melissa is the author of the book Global Mom, where she tells her journey living and raising four kids across the world. Her second book is called On Loss and Living Onward, where after experiencing the sad loss of her firstborn son, she compiled the best resources that will guide the living through the process of grief. Melissa also regularly counts her inspiring current journey on her blog, melissadaltonbradford.wordpress.com. Com. Melissa, this is a very, very short overview of an exciting journey that you've been going through your whole life. Um, is there anything in miss? And tell us what's happening in your world today.
0: Well, well, I'll tell you what's happening right now. That, that, That biographical sketch that you just read... Is maybe a couple of months outdated because now we live in Frankfurt. And as of about an hour ago, <laughs> I had the moving crew here to move me to a new home. So not outside of Frankfurt, but in in our same town. So that will make move number twenty wow. for us. And uh, what I'm doing recently that is of great interest, and it also meshes very well with this idea of global mobility and the concerns of the family is that I'm deeply involved in refugee aid work because I'm right here in the middle of Germany right? Mm-hmm. So we have had this inundation of so many of our brothers and sisters from the Middle East here and I'm, I'm teaching them German and um, helping them integrate into this culture. Um, at the same time we have our daughter who is entering law school this next fall living with our family and her Italian husband. So we've sort of passed on the global mom torch to the next generation. We now have a global bride and her global bridegroom. And and um, uh, our third son has been living in London. He will continue his education. And we have uh, an Hungarian dog. So... <laughs> that completes
1: the portrait amazing amazing i can't wait to deeply dive into your journey because there's so much to learn from your experience um but before i would like to know you know you've been a teacher a solo a soprano soloist an actress and today a writer and you're also taking of your time to teach german to refugees which is uh and, and helping them integrate which is a great mission so tell us how can you take us through your journey as a as a as an individual and a professional how did you manage to build that continuity or that career continuous career although you changed so many times how did you manage to do that and what were your challenges and how did you learn to make the best use of your talents
0: well, what I've found is that the greatest challenge in maintaining one's relevancy and one's um, one's modernity and one's skill set in such a perpetually interrupted life is exactly the gift that that life gives you. Um, what I mean by that is every time we moved when when I transferred my, my graduate degree and my theater experiences from the United States to another landscape, I got to start afresh. It, it was hard because then I lost contacts and I lost the footing that I had gained in, in one community and had to start that in the next one. But you're constantly expanding then. So let me give you a concrete example. I had done graduate work in feminist literary theory and And literature, as you mentioned, and I was ready to go on to do a PhD, but then we moved to the New York City area, and there was theater. I got into theater. (laughs) I had a background in that. When we moved then from New York, this New York City area to Scandinavia, there obviously was not going to be much for an American stage actress to do there, but I was able to continue to sing in different venues and also to focus more on writing. And every time we moved it did present that problem of, ugh, I invested so much in that career, in that skill set, and now I have to start all over again. But it gave me an opportunity to reinvent or re- recreate, rejoin different skills in a different environment. So I could then write more in Paris. I could... Um, sing Again in in Singapore, I know that we look at it generally as this terrible patchwork that our life becomes, but a patchwork is every bit as, I think, valid and legitimate as a clean piece of cloth mm. that that sort of follows the same pattern that you always thought you were going to build. Mm. So I took my my writing background and I always wrote, because you can do that day and night, wherever you might be living. Singing was more difficult because all of you singers out there, they know that you have to be in really top physical shape. You have to keep your instrument very, very well tuned. And that's hard if you're having babies and Mm -hmm. parenting them alone and this whole stressful lifestyle. So I ended up singing less and less and writing more and more. But the way I kept my Stage presence alive was by then standing in front of people and talking. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of organically developed. Does that, does that make sense? Completely. Yeah. Basically, you're yeah. using your assets,
1: the ones that you have developed, and turned them into something else that you could use for other purposes.
0: Yes. And at one point, and this is critical, I think, for listeners, is that at some point I had to say, I'm not just doing this, this as a creative outlet. I'm not just doing it to fill my time I'm doing this as a professional and I need to be taken seriously and so I need to have pay. I need to be paid for what I'm doing. And as soon as I made that decision that I was going to be paid for writing, I was going to be paid for speaking, I was going to be paid for singing again, then it completely changed the way that people viewed me, approached me, appreciated me. And yeah, and Thank it became you. then a real profession.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you for bringing that up, Melissa. It's a very important point that I completely believe with you that, you know, this, this, the, the monetary aspect of, of, being an, of being a professional and being talented is very important, not only for us, for our world, because most of the time we don't need that extra money, but it's also right. a matter of, um, you know, being respected somehow for what yes. we do
0: and being recognized for what we do. Yes, and you want to take you want to take yourself seriously, you'll define yourself differently if you say, "Here's my invoice <laughs> here's my invoice and And I found that it also changed the way that my family regarded what I was doing in front of my computer or when I was learning music or something. They knew this is this is mother's thing that she does, and we need to support her, and we need to clear the way. It's not as I mentioned before, it's not just a creative outlet, this is something that is productive it's also helping define our family. And I thought that the way that I was able to do it was really, really a blessing because the family wasn't, I had the luxury that the family wasn't completely dependent upon my income. Mm -hmm. That's often the case with accompanying partners. Um, And so in a way, um, I was very spoiled. I could find out what worked best and, and then devote myself to that thing that was most fulfilling for me and that had the best market. Oh, so, yeah.
1: yes. I love when you said, you know, um, it's important when I can say, here is my invoice. And when, yes. when, when I read through that, what I see through that is also accountability, is that when we get paid, we are motivated and encouraged to be accountable and to
0: do a great job. That's right. That's yeah. right. It causes us also to lift... Lift our performance to a certain standard. And- Tell us what you you have been I
1: don't know if you've been always so grounded. <laughs> but I'm sure that you had tough tough times building that career that you've built today. So what has helped you
0: to become the professional you are today? Oh Cause, okay, can we just say this? I'm a mess. <laughs> I have I have breakdowns just like everybody. I crawl into a corner and I doubt myself, and I say I'm never going out there again. And um, and not just because of of the feedback that one gets, which naturally is going to have some critique, which is normal and healthy, but just because it's scary to put yourself out there. It's scary to put your your whole life out there on a page for whomever to read. That's a scary thing. So I'm a mess. I have my breakdowns. Um, I I have to give credit to, I have to give credit right here to my husband. He is a very emotionally healthy, unflappable, constant force in my life. Mm -hmm. So as much as we trailing spouses or accompanying partners talk about our being the stabilizing force for someone else's career, I honestly feel it's been my husband who has been a grounding force for me, um, who has encouraged me to go back out there, who bought me my writing desk, bought me the new laptop, bought me the new writing chair, <laughs> all of those things because he believes in me. But beyond beyond having having that and having a great family and a great team of friends. Um, I'm like you, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a spiritual person. Um, I, I meditate, I, I am deeply grounded in that way. I, I kind of view my mortality in a, in a big, big framework and, um, and have a great community around me that believes similarly wherever I move in the world. And that is very, very helpful. I have to credit that belief community that, um, yeah. Keeps me sort of centered on the things that really matter. Yeah. That really matter. You know how it is a matter. You know, when you move a lot, you know that everything is kind of disposable except your relationships. Exactly.
1: Right? Yeah. So, my question now is how did you manage to do all of that, having four kids and traveling the world?
0: How did you manage to build that stability? Oh my gosh, I'm getting just tired. <laughs> Thinking about it. <laughs> I'm starting to sweat and get tired just thinking about it. Well, I'll tell you. I'm not going to paint this in pastel colors. Um, I was pushed to the edge of my sanity more than once, and I knew that I had to trim some things off. When my husband was traveling a lot, and sometimes it was 80% of the time, very, very far away for long stretches of, of time, and I had small children, I I, I couldn't and I didn't want to Shortchanged them. And I knew that they were also adjusting as well. This was not even easy for them. It wasn't a given for them to live in all of these new cultures. So that's when I had to step back from my my personal pursuits, be that writing or performing. And, and if I were to make a graph out of my life, I would see that where the high-intensity intensity stress moving periods peaked, then my creative... Um, enterprises troughed. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's exactly how the the sort of chart seems to go. And now, as my children have grown older, and we've moved to a place where my husband and I already speak the language, and um, he's not traveling as much. He's now in a corporate headquarters position um, with global responsibility, but he's sitting in the headquarters. Now I'm in a place where. Where I never thought I would get, let me just say this to all the young gals out there, (laughs) I never thought I'd get here, I thought I'm going to die before I ever get to that point. What? People hit 50? You're still alive after 50? You have anything to give after 50? Well, it's at 50 where things just suddenly, boom, time lapse blossomed for me and everything came together everything sort of came together as Paul Coelho would say, an alchemist, the universe was conspiring for this to happen. happen." And and the advantage that I have is that I had kept it alive just enough all the way along the road so that there were three things that were true. Number one, I still believed in myself and I still had a skill set. Number two, I had a community that knew I was out there. And number three, I had a family that knew this was what I was about and would take me seriously. So um, it all kind of Came together. So I can't say that it's been a perfect, consistent, upward slanting trajectory all the way. No way! Mm. It's been jagged. It's been jagged. There have been moments of retreat where a child was struggling and my my absolute best energy had to go in that child. There have been times where it's been much more difficult to integrate in a culture than others. I okay. found, for instance, the move from Norway to per- to Versailles very challenging for me
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, because I wanted to perform perfectly in a French setting, and I didn't speak any French, and I had to learn that really quickly, and my kids were very young. The move, on the other hand, from Munich to Singapore, there was no upward curve whatsoever. Singapore is a really, really easy place to live, at least it was for me. Mm. And, and so I started, that was where I was able to write my first book. I had, to, I had to wait a while to clear my landscape and gather my, area, my energy so that I could write. And as soon as I made the announcement to the family, now I'm doing it. They just geared together with me, it galvanized the family, and we did it. And then right on the heels of that, my second book. And I know that everybody does it differently. I've seen really enterprising young expatriates write their books while they're raising children and moving to really difficult posts. And mm-hmm. I just have to admire that and wonder what they're eating for breakfast to get through it.
1: <laughs> it is amazing. There's a few of them on Tandem Nomads and I'm still amazed by each oh, of you guys. I'm um,
0: so impressed by them.
1: You're, yeah, It's really amazing. how. This is why I always wonder how do you manage all of that uh, especially if you have kids. Uh, one thing I would just like to, to uh, like highlight that you've been talking about is the fact that you have accepted that the journey is not a continuous growing journey. There's a lot of ups and downs, and your peak of moons are your lowest, lowest you know, uh, career points, apparently yes. in your case, uh, yes, because that's is. a very stressful moment, yes. and then you have so much to plan, especially with kids, schools, oh, and, yeah. and everything, and identity, oh. and, and everything. Um, exactly. But I also like that the, you pointed out the importance of believing in yourself,
0: mm. and mm-hmm.
1: so... How did you manage to do that, to keep trusting your skills, your
0: talents, and yourself? Well, it's two things. They come immediately to mind. And I love that question. I love that you ask that because I, everyone, even the finest, finest professionals in the world, they all battle with whether they believe in themselves. Everyone, even if they say they don't, I don't believe them. Everyone, everyone is battling to believe in themselves. So when you're an entrepreneur and you're working independently, you have got to be your biggest fan, your own biggest fan. And that's that's really requiring something. So there are two things. Again, my family believes in me. I turn to people who know me well and I ask them, do you think I can do this? And do you think it's worthwhile? And and, and they know from observation and and because they love me they they know of my limits but they also know of my gifts and and their this support team is absolutely crucial to help me believe in myself and another one is it goes back to this spirituality that I have I believe that I have just like everybody else an innate immeasurable worth mm. so even When I fail at things, and even when I've made a fool out of myself, and I've done that plenty of times, it's kind of the story of my life, (laughs) making a fool out of myself, um, trying to do new things that are maybe beyond my reach, even when that happens, I still know down in my marrow that I am worthwhile and that I have potential and that... When I can connect with people, whether talking with you in this interview or all of those imagined people that might be listening to this interview, when I, when I imagine that my own voice might have some value in someone else's life, that puts kindling on my fire. That warms me, and I think if it just has human value, that's all I need, and that feeds my own sense of worth. Having said that, though, man, I've wept. I think that everybody's wept. <laughs> <laughs> saying, I, I just don't think I can keep this up or I, I didn't do that as well as I thought I should or someone's doing it much better than I am. You just have to sort of keep your nose in your little arena and say whatever it is that I'm doing, I'm going to devote my very best self to it. And if I touch one person, that's enough. I, if I touch one person, that's enough. So that helps me. I have to credit my friends and also the sense of spiritual uh, value that we all inherently this have. This is amazing, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's,
1: it's quite interesting how to see. How, did you, how do you think that your identity has evolved in this journey from the Melissa before you started and the Melissa of today?
0: Uh, I'm at once much more confident and much more vulnerable. So let me explain that. <laughs> I'm much more confident because I look back and I think, good grief, I have done it. I've done this life. When, when, you, when you start reading that bio, it's not that I'm impressed with myself. I think, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I packed all those boxes. I learned those languages. I helped my kids. I gained some competencies. I survived, I can't tell you how many transatlantic flights alone with little kids. That enough is worth a gold medal. (laughs) So so I look back and I feel like I have confidence. You don't get confidence just by somebody patting you on your back. You don't. You get confidence by recognizing deep in your bones, I faced something very difficult, very frightening, and I did it. I survived it, and I did it. I didn't do it perfectly, because no one does, but I progressed. I progressed in it, and that soul expansion, that's confidence. Mm -hmm. So I feel much more confident in my identity. I feel more vulnerable also because you're now out there. Once you've put yourself out there, Mm-hmm. You, when your life is literally an open book, when you write your life in a book, yeah. and you let anyone who pleases to read it, then you stand in a light that um, feels sometimes like a searchlight, or like a floodlight, or like an interrogation light, and and you can feel, oh my goodness, I shouldn't have ever come out here because I can be attacked, or people will misunderstand my motivation. So that part of my identity um, is still vulnerable, and and I think that's a healthy thing. I don't mind. I don't mind being vulnerable. I think that's a great source of strength and and where we bond with one another. I I say often that we 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 connect. All human beings connect on their broken edges. It's one of my favorite things to share with audiences. We don't connect on our laminated shiny polished surfaces it's on the broken edges where we connect so i don't mind admitting that i feel broken and that i'm a mess and that i feel vulnerable mm-hmm. because i trust that whoever hears that is saying really you too yeah. well, well i do <laughs> maybe we can have a conversation yeah, right definitely um, i've i've also gone from i've also gone from a very feisty a feminist literary theory student in my graduate years to a woman who has learned the power of womanhood and the power of parenting, the power of creating a community. Um, I don't say that men cannot create community, but I've observed how women have a capacity to be those tendons, those ligaments that hold a community Together and they create community in a way that is very empowering for everybody. So my identity has evolved in that way, where I'm maybe a little softer about those very sharp judgments that I had early on in my twenties. I'm now, you know, close to fifty, and and um, and I appreciate some of those softer a lot of those softer elements of of being a woman being a mother and see the results of that in my children's lives too that maybe that helped them that that I was around That's amazing. maybe yeah.
1: so i really loved every single word you've been sharing here about how you've been growing as an individual and a professional and a mother and I loved how you brought up the 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 vulnerability uh, aspect Mm -hmm. the fact of accepting to be vulnerable because Mm -hmm. that becomes a strength and it's Mm -hmm. funny when you were talking about having our lives out there I was just thinking about it yesterday I was like it's amazing how I've been growing from a person who never wanted to share anything (laughs) to yeah to having my life out there and it's it's it does feel threatening sometimes
0: you're like my life is out there yeah. Oh, uh, amen. There's, there's, there's no place to hide. Once your voice is recorded and you send it out there, and it's, it's, it's everyone's property. You become public property, and um, yeah, that that takes a great deal of courage, and it takes a lot of people backing you up, saying. You're going back out there. You can do this. Keep going out there.
1: (laughs) And I think it's important to not think of us as role models. But like you said, just say to people openly, we're vulnerable. We're just like you and me. And we just have a message to share. If we agree with the message, then we have much more to share. If we don't, then it's okay, too. Yeah. Uh, Wow, wonderful. I'm very happy you brought up this topic there. I haven't digged in too much in Tandem Nomads, which is spirituality. I Mm. believe in the importance of, you know, in order to build that, You know, strong identity, be confident and be grounded because with all this change, we need to be grounded. So at some point we have to pause and take the time for ourselves. It can be meditating, can be praying, can be something else, but reconnect with our soul. And I think that's very important.
0: Absolutely. And I know that there are a lot of your listeners out there, people that I know and, and people that I don't know, that that believe the same sort of thing that there must be something deeper and something internal that that keeps us keeps us steady. Because even when you're not moving a lot, this world is so, it's just it's so fast. The tempo, the velocity, the, the distractions, they can pull you off course even if you're sitting still. But when you're moving over and over again, and then when you have this whole community of family members that you're taking with you, this is a very complex mechanical um, structure, right? And it's spinning gyroscopically, and it's you have to have something that holds you together. That's why... I know none of us really likes the term trailing spouse. Every time we hear it, we sort of growl. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: I'm the first one who loses control. (laughs)
1: Exactly.
0: So I like to say, I like to use the term stabilizing axis." Oh, interesting. If you happen to be an accompanying partner, someone in that, someone in this structure of the family or something, let's say, let's not put all the pressure on one person, but something has to be. Has to be immovable, and as one of my dear friends, Uta Li would say, she'd say it has to also be. It has to be flexible. It has to be. It has to be movable. It has to be able to bend in the wind. It needs to adapt to all sorts of different demands and cultures. So, so planted, but still flexible.
1: Nomad Nation, I don't know about you, but I'm a complete fan of Melissa Bradford and the way she engages and the way she tells her story. She has so much more to share. It would have been impossible to share her story in just one episode. So first of all, I would like you to check out her book where she tells more about her story. The book is called um, Global Mom, a Memoir. Or she tells about her travels and how she went from over 20 countries with her family and kids and, and how she managed to do that while growing her career. But she tells also another very important and moving story in that book, which is the loss of her son. So I, I didn't want to continue this episode straight talking about this, but Melissa is such an amazing woman that she did accept to share her experience with us of losing her son while being a global nomad, because it's already hard enough to lose a child. But with the circumstances of this global life, it does make it more complicated. So she wrote a book to help other global nomads and humans in general to deal with loss, but not only for ourselves, but to help those who are around us who might go through terrible times like this. The book is called on loss and living onward. So, in the next episode, uh, Melissa will share with us her story and Parker's story and how she managed to deal with her family with this loss, how she turned the strategy into a great strength and used it to help people around her. So, uh, we will also share a lot of actually very practical tips to help those. Who are going through a loss because uh, it's not always easy to know what's the right thing to do and it's not something that we all have it naturally so it might help also to know how can we help those going through those difficult times so I really can't wait to meet you at the next episode so stay tuned to turn in this case your challenges into great strength and in the meantime if you enjoyed this episode and found it as inspiring as I think it is Please make sure to share it with your friends who might need that extra inspiration to turn their challenges into great opportunities.